This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, January 21st, 2021. I'm Caleb Brown. Get that sweet federal relief check, fire up that stock trading app, and buy the next big thing. At least that's what a lot of Americans thought they were doing last year. Many of them use the Robinhood trading platform has drawn the ire of some state-level regulators. Jennifer Shulp directs financial regulation studies at the Cato Institute. We talked about if Robinhood is breaking the rules and what it might mean for your investment options. I know some people that during this pandemic have, let's just say, gotten bored. They've been working from home. Our producer, Cecil, he's one of them. But he's not one of the following people, which is people who have gone into trading stocks equities uh, and other securities on these sort of happy, fun-looking platforms will give you your first stock free. And the one that jumps out as the name that sort of encompasses this kind of trading is Robinhood. So what is the problem with Robinhood uh, as you see it? I'm not sure there is a problem with Robin Hood or the concept. Well, let me let let me clarify then to say that there are complaints about how the shiny red candy-like button that you can press to purchase stocks and see confetti around you, and uh, the complaint seems to be that there is a bit of gamification going on that people uh, can play with real money, in fact, large sums of money, and in fact, potentially very large losses, exceeding your entire portfolio, in fact, uh, when you uh, get into certain, certain options trading. So what are the complaints and how are regulators trying to make that into uh, some sort of cause of action? Sure. So Robinhood has attracted a lot of attention in this space, but I want to make sure to put it in context because um, the increase in retail investing um, during this pandemic time is part of a larger trend that started pre-pandemic. It picked up substantially during the pandemic, in part possibly due to the fact that people were bored, as you suggested. And Robinhood's gotten a lot of press here. Um, because it has been one of the biggest players in what would be the the quote-unquote fun trading space. Uh, Robinhood's app is designed specifically to appeal to a younger demographic than traditional trading platforms. And that's uh, one of the ways they do that is by making it look more fun to trade. Um, That's gotten a lot of regulator attention. And it's gotten a lot of regulator attention in a number of different ways. Uh, Robinhood has recently paid a large fine to the SEC, uh, about a $65 million fine that followed after a fine to FINRA um, in 2019 with respect to how they route their orders in order to make a commission-free trading experience. Um, which is something that attracts um, younger and less wealthy people to the platform. Uh, The SEC's charge was that Robinhood was not properly, and actually, in fact, Robinhood was actively misrepresenting to customers how they get paid. Um, And that's payment for order flow, where they sell their customers' um, orders to uh, brokers that execute those orders. Uh, 
So this uh, seems very similar to the complaints about some traditional uh, stockbrokers or financial advisors. That is, it may not have been clear to some customers what to whom uh, the uh, broker or financial advisor was accountable or who by whom the uh, broker or financial advisor was being paid. Exactly. Um, and it's a much more traditional cause of action. Um, it deals in conflicts of interest. It deals in this duty called the duty of best execution, where a broker is required to get um, a good execution for their customers' trades, uh, meaning timing, pricing, um, and a number of factors on that front. What's interesting is that Robinhood has not been subject to just these types of causes of action. Um, Robinhood is um, also under, and I actually had a complaint filed against them by the state of Massachusetts on much more novel causes of action that go directly to the heart of gamification that you were talking about before. Um, Massachusetts, at the end of December, filed what would be considered a groundbreaking lawsuit against Robinhood based on its alleged breaches of fiduciary duty and the duty of suitability um, tied to Robin Hood's really core design, um, the, the confetti, the um, games, so to speak, where they um, reward individuals for interacting with the app more often, not necessarily trading more often, but interacting with the app on a, on a multiple times a day basis, um, alleging that these types of design features in the Robinhood app are causing people, inexperienced investors in particular, causing them to make bad decisions about how to invest. Um, this is, A, I think, I think heading the wrong direction um, because it, it assumes that um, individual investors are making that, that the government here should be making the decisions for the investors, but really on a legal grounds, the the Massachusetts complaint is pushing the envelope, which Massachusetts has been known to do. There are a wide variety of places that people can go to get investment advice. In fact, uh, investment advice is heavily marketed. Uh, in in fact, specific purchases in specific stocks are heavily marketed. There's an entire industry around clickbaity headlines that send you to either watch a video or go to a specific website to get this guy predicted this stock, this guy bought Amazon at $20 or whatever. Uh, and there's, there's nothing that prevents people from taking this advice and then going to any platform that they might use to purchase stocks and taking the exact same action. So it seems to me at least that the, the complaint has to be that Robin Hood is bundling, <laughs> if you will, uh, this advice and the platform of of purchasing stocks and uh, securities. The complaint that is the complaint, um, and it's an interesting one because Robin Hood 
has steadfastly said that they are not providing investment advice. What Robinhood is is a self-directed brokerage, um, much like you would think of having an, an E-Trade account or um, another you know, web-based trading platform where you're making all of the decisions for yourself. You're not going to a broker to ask questions. The broker isn't bringing advice to you. Um, what's interesting about the Massachusetts suit is that they argue that a couple of features of the Robinhood app itself are actually providing that advice. And those features are things like Robinhood's list of other stocks that Robinhood traders are invested in. Um, so there's, there's lists of here's the top 10, let's say, stocks that people are trading in today. Um, Robinhood is going to argue and has argued that that's not investment advice. Um, they're not telling people that this is a good investment for them. They're not recommending those stocks to anyone. And the traditional broker-dealer of responsibility for suitability and Massachusetts's new requirement that brokers have a fiduciary responsibility to those to whom they provide advice depends on the broker here actually providing advice. Um, this, the position that Massachusetts has taken is really, really groundbreaking in this in this instance, and could have affect an awful lot of other brokerages besides Robinhood if it were found to be that this type of investment information is a recommendation. Yeah, and there's no shortage of lists that you can find online of even on uh, other investment platforms that say. Here are the most actively traded stocks today. Right. You have to have a broker involved in order for there to be a duty. So just finding something on the internet wouldn't necessarily qualify. Let me just understand. Sure. The claim is specific that because Robinhood is the platform, the things they tell you carry a greater weight as a legal matter than you digging something up on uh, some other platform. Right. Because Robinhood is the broker. The things that they tell you are subject to a duty um, would be Massachusetts' argument um, here. Uh, but it would potentially could apply further if you took Massachusetts's theory a little bit further that information provided within a different platform that's simply volume numbers um, about um, traded stocks. Um, gives you the top 10 as opposed to giving you a running list of all 4,000. Um, any sort of decision as to how to cut that data by a broker could potentially put it into a recommendation position. Um, and that's really extending this sort of duty, I think, a lot farther than it was meant to go. Well, and it also see, would seem to pervert uh, the incentive of well-meaning uh, investment advisors and brokers to provide you with information if there is some sort of liability just hanging out there for you providing this and not that or presenting uh, a, a piece of information where you're saying, well, we did the top 10, not the top 20. Um, and maybe that maybe cutting there causes a, a problem for you legally. Right. I think that definitely could could be an issue. But there are a lot of people, you and I have discussed this before uh, on, on this podcast, that people can really get themselves in some serious financial trouble here 
uh, by by engaging in, in certain kinds of trades, by trading things they don't really understand, uh, and by buying or do, doing certain kinds of options that make their losses almost unlimited. They certainly can. Um, and I think that there's a balance to be walked here um, within the existing securities laws about that. Um, I think that maximum freedom for investors to make their own decisions is where we should be heading. But there are a lot of rules already in place, um, some of which Robin Hood may have run afoul of um, in trying to limit people to investing in things that they can understand. Um, there are limits in place, um, regulatory limits in place as to um, eligibility for trading in options. And Robinhood has been alleged before not to be following those rules. Um, they set out their own rules. And in fact, Massachusetts and another cause of action alleges that, that Robinhood set out its own rules for experience that investors must have in order to trade in options. And Robinhood wasn't following them. Um, that's a more traditional cause of action. There's also rules around who should be permitted um, to have to trade on margin, so being able to get credit in order to trade. Um, this is not a situation where there's necessarily a lack of protections for investors in the first place. Um, we're just operating here in a world where Robinhood is a shiny new thing. And the concept of gamification, and I put quotes around that um, in, a, in a pretty strong way, um, is something that we should be avoiding because we don't want to make trading fun. And I think that's a really bad way to think about this. Um, day trading is not for everyone. And I certainly don't want to suggest that, that getting into um, – Active trading is something that, that folks should be doing if they they don't go into it with their eyes wide open. And it's really not for most investors. But the idea that an app that, that blows up confetti on the screen when you win. <laughs> yeah, when win. Make an investment um, is somehow violating the law or is tricking people into making investments that they would not have already made is, is a pretty narrow minded view. And it reinforces kind of a stodgy view of investing that you shouldn't be investing unless you are older and already have a lot of money. Um, and it, it reinforces a view of what a trading platform should look like. Those trading platforms have not traditionally appealed to younger investors. Um, it's a good thing to get younger investors in the market. It's a good thing to get them in early. Um, it's a better way for them to grow their wealth over time. And if what that means is having a shinier app, that makes trading more fun to a certain age group, that shouldn't be viewed as a problem. Um, again, it's not to say that Robinhood hasn't had problems in the traditional causes of action and the traditional securities laws, because I, I think that some of those spaces have been problematic for Robinhood. But we should not be running headlong into saying that, that a trading app shouldn't look fun um, because the traditional trading apps aren't fun. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it seems to indicate 
an impulse against what is tr- the traditional advice for young people, which is get time in the market. That is, uh, if it's not buy and hold, at least it is invest while you're young. Yes. And it goes kind of in favor of a narrative that the way to learn how to invest is to invest. A lot of people that um, are complaining now about, about day traders making bad decisions are themselves people who made bad decisions at some point. Um, you don't find professional traders who have not made bad decisions. And that's, again, not to say that you should jump in and day trade, but one of the ways to learn how to invest is to actually invest. Um, And starting young allows you to be in it for the long haul. Um, So we, I, I don't think we should be looking at ways to limit interest in investing for a, a younger less wealthy, um, and more underserved populations. Jennifer Shelb directs financial regulation studies at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast anywhere you please and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.